0: When one thinks of murder scenes, the mind naturally gravitates towards secluded wilderness spots, dark basements, bedrooms, bar rooms, and back alleys. The actors in these grisly crimes, if justice is lucky, are arrested and locked up until such time as they are called upon by the criminal justice system to face the consequences of their sinister deeds in a courtroom. We tend to view courtrooms as impregnable places where killers go to face the music for their crimes not places where a murder is likely to occur. Yet, the Cumberland County Courthouse in Carlisle was the scene of a shootout in 1955 which resulted in the death of an attorney and the wounding of several others, including a judge. Percy Haynes was a 60-year-old farmer from the Bridgewater District of Mifflin Township between Newburgh and Newville who had moved onto the old 100-acre Heberleague Farm in the spring of 1954. Haynes, who had been born and raised in Carroll County, Maryland, spent much of his working life in Chicago, where he lived with his wife, Lulu, until they became estranged. Upon his retirement, Percy decided to move to Cumberland County and take up farming. Under his employ were two very capable farmhands, Pete and Sam Showalker, and the nearest neighbor was several hundred yards up the lonesome road. The few who knew him remarked that Haynes was a sullen, silent sort of fellow. His nearest neighbor, Irvin Russell, said that Haynes had never once paid him a neighborly visit, while the owner of the local hardware store, Ken Bowman, said that Haynes was a regular customer but seldom spoke. He had a habit of staring, Bowman later recalled. Perhaps it was Percy Haynes' unemotional behavior that led to his separation with his wife, Lulu, a native of Waynesboro, Franklin County, who had left him 20 years earlier. He had arrived in Pennsylvania alone, and it seemed that he had forgotten all about his estranged wife until May of 1955, when Lulu hired an attorney and sued Percy for non-support. In early May, Chambersburg attorney George H. Black, who was representing Lulu Haynes, petitioned Judge Edmund C. Wingard of Franklin County to set a date for a non-support hearing. Judge Wingard discussed the case with the district attorney, Rudolph Wertheim, who was told that under the Reciprocal Enforcement of Support Act of 1953, the hearing must take place in the county in which the defendant resides. On July 11th, Judge Wingard filed an opinion, declaring that the date and location of the hearing had been improperly set, and the case was transferred to Cumberland County. Unfortunately, Percy Haynes didn't get the memo and traveled to Waynesboro for the canceled hearing. Upon his arrival, Lulu swore out a warrant for his arrest, charging him with non-support. Percy was held under bond as the police had charged him under the criminal provisions of the law. The previous action had been taken under the civil code. Quite understandably, this unnecessary arrest put Percy Haynes in a rather sour mood. The date for the non-support hearing had already been set in Cumberland County, and Lulu had nothing to gain by putting Percy in jail, other than a smug satisfaction. It was a vindictive act, pure and simple. This change of venue presented a problem for Lulu's attorney, George Black, who was not licensed to practice law in Cumberland County. As a result, he had to have a local attorney assist him in presenting his case before the judge, Mark E. Garber. Black chose a lawyer named John Fowler Jr. Meanwhile, Carlisle attorney Boyd Landis would be representing Percy Haynes. John Fowler Jr. was an up-and-coming 41-year-old lawyer. His father had been the first general counsel for the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission, and Jr. quickly made a name for himself as he followed in his father's footsteps. Suave and snappily dressed, the youthful attorney didn't appear to have much in common with a retired farmer from sparsely populated Mifflin Township, but Haynes and Fowler's paths had crossed only a year earlier. Judge Garber was presiding over a case argued by John Fowler, who was representing the Newville Taxpayer Association, which was an assembly of local farmers. As a member of the NTA, Haynes was very familiar with Fowler, and vice versa. That day, before Judge Garber, Fowler was squaring off against Boyd Landis, who was representing the Big Spring School District. Ironically, Landis would be representing Percy Haynes at the non-support hearing just one year later. In the case of Haynes v. Haynes, the principles would remain the same, and the hearing would be held inside the very same courtroom. On the morning of Tuesday, August 2nd, the proceedings in the non-support case against Percy Haynes got underway. The testimony and evidence presented were standard courtroom fare, hardly anything that would make for a good episode of Perry Mason, but it was the ending of the hearing that earned Percy Haynes his spot in Pennsylvania infamy. At 12.40, Seconds after Judge Mark E. Garber ordered Percy Haynes to pay his estranged wife Lulu $50 a month in support, the defendant produced a twenty-two caliber pistol and opened fire. Lulu Haynes was shot in her left side. In the blink of an eye, attorney John Fowler collapsed to the floor with a bullet through his chest. He not only managed to crawl out of the room, but was standing upright when the ambulance finally arrived. Lulu's other attorney, George H. Black of Chambersburg, was wounded in the right shoulder, and yet another bullet struck Judge Garber entering his left arm. Haynes' attorney, Boyd Landis, later said that he was surprised that his client hadn't shot him as well. After all, I had just lost a case, he told reporters. It was Judge Garber's 30-year-old secretary, George Geiger, who managed to overpower the shooter and wrestle the gun from his hand. Geiger, who wasn't in the mood to play games, reportedly shouted at Haynes, If there are any more bullets left in this gun, you're going to get them, so stand still or I'll let you have it. As a result, Geiger was able to restrain the six-year-old farmer until the state police arrived, joined by District Attorney Clinton R. Widener. Corporal Frank Bender and Private Charles Shaman of the Carlisle Barracks were the first to respond, and they transported the shooter the short distance to the Cumberland County prison. Ambulances raced to the scene. Fowler was the first to be rushed to the hospital, but died at 125 shortly after his arrival. After a funeral service at St. Patrick's Catholic Church, he was laid to rest in the church cemetery. Lulu Haynes was given 11 pints of blood at the Carlisle Hospital, but remained in critical condition through Wednesday, when she began to show signs of improvement. She was discharged two weeks later. The whole thing happened in a matter of seconds, recounted Mrs. Jessie Holtzman of the county probation office. Before you realized it, it was all over. He just seemed to shoot them down in the order he had picked. While only a handful had seen the shootings take place, dozens saw the aftermath of the carnage. One office girl had just turned down a hallway to see a man crawling on his hands and knees through the doorway. This would prove to be John Fowler Jr. Another office worker saw Fowler crawling along the corridor, leaving a trail of blood. Get the police, he groaned, as he dragged his wounded body into the clerk of court's office, which was empty at the time. Fowler managed to pick up clerk C.H. Humrick's telephone and place a call to the police. It was desk clerk Whitey Libram who answered the call, who recounted Fowler's final words. My God, get an ambulance and the police to the courthouse. There has been a shooting. Libram said that he then heard the telephone drop. Although Fowler was conscious when the ambulance arrived at the hospital, he soon lapsed into a coma. Geiger, who was celebrated as a hero and rightly so, told reporters his account of the tragedy. Haines was standing in front of me with the gun pointed at my head. I just jumped at him and we had a brief tussle and I took the gun from him. The secretary with the nerves of steel said that Haines went berserk after Judge Garber handed down his decision, shouting that he didn't have that kind of money. Some reports erroneously claim that one of Haines's daughters Velma Motes had been the real hero, knocking the gun from her father's hand by hitting him over the head with a chair. In all of Geiger's statements to the press, he never mentioned this event taking place, and the artist's sketch of the courtroom failed to show Mrs. Motes anywhere near the principals in the room, thereby disproving her claims. After the shooting, Judge Garber calmly walked into the law library, then rapped on the door of the jury room where he encountered President Judge. Dale F. Sugart, and his court reporter, Gladys Kramer. I've been shot, said Judge Garber. Sugar and Kramer helped Garber take off his robe before escorting him down Court Street to a waiting ambulance. As Percy Haynes sat in prison awaiting trial on the charge of first-degree murder, he expressed very little emotion. However, he exploded in a fit of rage in the early morning hours of August 12th when he was hit with six different lawsuits totaling more than $600,000. These included damage suits brought by Fowler's family, by Chambersburg attorney George Black, and by his estranged wife, Lulu, who demanded $50,000 for her medical expenses. Upon learning of Lulu's lawsuit, Percy knocked himself unconscious by pounding his head against the door and walls of his cell. On September 29, 1955, Haynes went on trial for his life before a Cumberland County jury and Judge W.C. Sheely. Although he was found guilty, the jury recommended a life sentence for the retired farmer. You are very fortunate in that the jury found extenuating circumstances in deciding that your sentence should be life imprisonment," Shealy declared as sentencing. The evidence of the Commonwealth fully justified returning a verdict sending you to the electric chair. Haynes died at the State Correctional Institution in Dallas, Luzerne County, in 1968, despite numerous petitions and appeals. His 1961 petition for a pardon was opposed by Cumberland County District Attorney Harold S. Irwin, who wrote, In open court, this defendant murdered an attorney, shot another attorney, his wife, and the presiding judge. His crime is without parallel. It is shocking beyond description. On January 29, 1968, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court dismissed his petition for a new sentence. He died the following day at the age of 73 and was buried at the Antietam Church Cemetery in Waynesboro, Franklin County. Pennsylvania Oddities. If you enjoyed this podcast, pick up a copy of my newest book, Pennsylvania Oddities, Volume 3, available now at www.sunburypress.com. Volume 3 features 30 remarkable but true stories from every corner of the Keystone State. And be sure to visit my blog, paoddities.blogspot.com, for over 600 bizarre tales of murder and mystery from the colonial era to the present day. The Pennsylvania Oddities Podcast is written, produced, and narrated by Marlon Bressy. Theme music composed by Marlon Bressy. Sound effects courtesy of freesound.org. Listen to the Pennsylvania Oddities Podcast on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you find your favorite program. New episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month.